offer professional resources, practical tools, and inspiring conversations to teachers and parents in their quest for excellent education. Welcome to Best Practices in Education, an Odyssey School podcast. This is Megan, and we are back in the studio this week with somebody very special to me, an old, old friend. And um, I'm excited to also have Ashley Caps here with me because she is our first outside of Odyssey interview, which is very exciting for us as we are um, intended to talk to lots of different educators. And Ashley is going to bring us some new perspectives Ashley is a North Carolina native. She's been traveling to work, eat, and cook since the age of 17, and she is serious and uncompromising about her cooking. She was nominated uh, for a James Beard Award, a semi-finalist in pastry last year. Although she's very humble and may not tell you that herself, I am excited to brag for her. And drawing upon old Southern recipes and contemporary approaches with seasonal produce, she's crafted desserts for places like Buxton Hall and Rhubarb in Asheville, and is currently working on her own project with her partner, Travis Schultz. And she is super sweet and fun and awesome, and she is here to tell us a little bit about cooking in education. Hello. Well, I definitely have always worked in kitchens and teaching is not something that I thought I would fall into, um, but it I love it. It makes me really happy and I'm sort of trying to transition my career to continue cooking and baking, but also a piece of it uh, I'd like to focus more on teaching. And you've been cooking in restaurants since 2008. You've done baking in bakeries and catering and different things, restaurants kind of being your passion. Mm -hmm. And you've been teaching for the last eight years, both at AB Tech and also um, sort of one-off workshops. And especially these days, you've been doing a lot of workshop series around Asheville. Yeah, it's been really fun. Um, I love AB Tech. Teaching at AB Tech taught me um, a lot of structure, which appeals to my personality. I love being organized. I like having a plan. I like having goals. I'm a goal-oriented person. Um, And with all of that and teaching um, pretty much the same classes at AB Tech for about eight years, it started to um, occur to me that a lot of people in the community want to learn many different things, and maybe they don't want to sign up for the full-on program and be a baking and pastry student or a culinary arts student. Maybe they just want to have a glass of wine or a cup of coffee and learn how to make Austrian strudel or preserved winter fruits or something a little bit more casual and fun and maybe not as not as large of a commitment. Only a true professional would refer to Austrian strudel as casual and fun. <laughs> Uh, I just, I, I also, I guess I should say that I've made space in my life to act on some of my dreams and things that I've envisioned, and it's been really, really wonderful to think of something and make it happen, and um, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun. So not not all very talented people in their fields or in cooking are inspired to take that into a classroom. Can you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to teach? I became interested in teaching from training people in restaurants. I found that I enjoyed breaking down all of the techniques into smaller steps, 
I learned that I am a very patient person and I have a good eye for detail and I really enjoy the process of watching someone grow and become very good at something. So teaching has become a skill of mine that I'm constantly honing and I'm never going to be perfect, but I definitely find a lot of joy in it. Yeah, I I feel like just knowing you, you're also someone who has sort of an innate emotional intelligence too. And and I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how you use that skill to really see your students and, and meet their needs and help guide them to their goals. Absolutely. I think that emotional intelligence is incredibly valuable and strong and important when teaching. And it's funny that it's a skill or a trait of mine because most, generally speaking, most chefs and most people in the culinary industry, they see emotion as weakness or sensitivity as a not being a strong person and you're supposed to be, you're supposed to be tough and you're supposed to be able to take feedback and you can, you're very aggressive and um, ego plays into it and I have never been like that and I think that's what helps me be a good teacher. A lot of the students I've had over over eight years have told me that they really appreciated how patient I was and how um, I was able to figure out how they needed to learn something and just make the curriculum or the the lesson sort of match what they needed. So using my sensitivity and emotional intelligence as a person, I'm kind of able to see each student and what they need and still follow follow the curriculum, follow the the itinerary of what it needs to be taught, but be able to accommodate each student. Some people learn very quickly, some people, and you know, baking is intimidating. A lot of people, I've had a lot of students that are terrified. They don't trust themselves and they're afraid. And I can see that, I can pick up on that. And so using using my my instinct and and helping everybody feel comfortable and confident. I'm curious what that looks like in your classroom. So um, do you name other people's feelings and help them move through it that way? Do you have strategies or techniques or tricks or tips or mm. how, how might a listener take that, be inspired by it and apply it in their classroom? I think for sure talking less and listening more. So for example, I maybe I have a class of 20 students and everyone seems to be doing a pretty good job. I can see some people don't want my, they don't want me to hover. They want to just do their own thing. I can tell that they, they don't need me. They're very independent. I let them do their thing. And then I keep going around the classroom and I see some people that are raising their hand and struggling and they're very verbal and they're starting to kind of get red in the face and they're starting to sweat and they're getting frustrated and we just take a minute, I say, step back from the cake, take a deep breath, it's just icing, you can conquer this, go outside, have some water, come back in five minutes, it's just a cake. How many have you made? And they're like, this has to be perfect. And, you know, and they're freaking out, and I'm like, how many of these have you made? And they're like, well, this is my first one. I'm like, it's a new, te- it's a new skill, it's a new technique. You're not going to be good at it right away, it takes a long time. That's one, uh, a second um, example, and then I think that another tip would be seeing someone that is, they're comparing themselves to other people. It's, there's, a, there's always 
usually a student that is um, reminds me a lot of myself, actually. They're looking around. They notice that they're behind. They notice that their product is not as beautiful or as perfect as someone else's. Then they just start to shut down. And really, it's because they're a closet perfectionist. And I can speak to that. And um, I think one tip would be just kind of being nearby, saying comforting words. And, you know, if they start to break down, we would step away very quietly and where no one would know what's going on. We just go out in the hallway and I'd say, hey, what's going on? And just just listen and let them talk and not try and put thoughts into their mind, but let them open up and unzip their emotions and just try and take as much pressure off as possible. Yeah. I don't know if that helps or not. Yeah. No, I love that. I, I hear a lot about diffusing the ego in mm-hmm. what you're describing. And and you started with that with yourself. So recognizing your relationship to your profession is different from the environment in which you work and and your relationship to ego and maybe the sort of male-dominated, high-pressure, go-get-em, heat-in-the-kitchen mm-hmm. kind of ego that, that happens in a lot of kitchens. And then also taking that self-knowing and bringing it to the classroom as a teacher so that you can recognize yourself and others and attune to them and and adjust the way that you serve each student mm-hmm. in an individualized way I think that is a, all about diffusing ego yeah. which is i think a great strategy odyssey is founded in and driven forward by partnership and we'd like to pause for a moment to highlight one of our favorite community partners black mountain college museum and arts center an invaluable celebration and preservation of the legacy of educational and artistic innovation in Asheville. They achieve their mission through collection, conservation, and educational activities, including exhibitions, publications, and public programs. If you're in Asheville, wander down College Street and catch a lunch and learn or peruse an exhibit. Stop in and support this awesome nonprofit. I, one of the other things that you talk about in education is uh, creativity and the way that you use creativity both as a means to an end and also as an end objective for your students. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about what that means in cooking? Sure. So obviously being a, a pastry chef or a culinary savory chef, creativity is a huge part of our jobs. Consistency is a huge part of our jobs, and I love creativity. It's definitely, I've always been a creative person. So how do I teach others to be creative? Especially, you know, not everyone is very creative. Um, Some folks have to work on that. Everyone has a strength, and I tell all my students that, I'd say that everyone, everyone is good at something. We all can't be good at everything. And we can all learn from each other, I remember getting very comfortable after our first few years of teaching. I started to kind of take the syllabus and sort of build it to cater to a wider audience. Because at AB Tech, there's, we have 18-year-old students and we have students that are in their 70s. And you know, there's, the, there's a lot of diversity. So the creative things that I would do in class that I really enjoyed and I think the students enjoyed as well is we would learn a technique. And let's say it's plated desserts. So there's a couple of weeks in each course 
in the pastry program, and there's even an entire uh, semester devoted to plated desserts. And that's something hard to teach. You know, how do you teach someone? It's like teaching someone, like, hey, be a good painter. Just do it. It's, mm-hmm. it's not something you can teach. It takes practice, and you have to have you have to develop an eye and a palate. So one thing I would do is uh, put them into groups, and just as little quick exercises during lecture, I would give them multiple ingredients, and they would have to put them on a plate, like a certain sauce, a certain main element, certain garnishes. We would talk about color and shape and texture and temperature, all these different things that are creative tools to make a very enjoyable and wow factor dessert. So for those that are very creative, for the students that are just, it comes naturally to them, they're just, they're like, their mind is being blown. They're just loving it. They're pulling out all kinds of creative ideas and they're working together in a group. So those that kind of struggle with creativity and thinking outside the box, that kind of, they it helped them get their wheels moving. And we would also draw, you know, certain things on the dry erase board and we would have, I would take real life situations because I'm also, while teaching, I always work full time in the industry. So I can pull real life, everyday, normal situations that happen all the time to me, probably hours before I was teaching <laughs> into the classroom and say, okay, this happens sometimes. What, what do you do? You know, this person's not happier. Your chef asks you to do this. All you have is this pound of blueberries and you have this. What can you do to accommodate your request from your chef? So um, I don't know. I went off on a tangent there, but uh, no, I love it. Making making learning purposeful and and grounded in the real world is definitely a, an important strategy. I mm-hmm. think for all teachers across all disciplines. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think how to teach creativity is just an age old, maybe even a wicked problem. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if it technically qualifies as a wicked problem, but it seems to be one that we are constantly changing the answer to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I love hearing your perspective, and it sounds like thinking really intentionally about your grouping and allowing students to see models of creativity, whether that's it, their peers and their mm-hmm. group or maybe watching you as a professional sort of think through how you would put something together, learning about design elements. Mm -hmm. Like those are all pieces that you put together to help Mm -hmm. teach something that is really hard to teach. It is. And um, I also can say that it's nice when you pull something out of your mind and not just from a textbook. I love a textbook and I love the like hard, dry facts and techniques. And that's very important. And it appeals to many students. That's how they learn best. But it also helps to challenge those that just like to read and, you know, learn from an auditory perspective and kind of put it in a kinesthetic or a visual practice. And the cool thing about the, you know, the example I gave about I'm giving you some ingredients, you have to plate a dessert, go for it. There's very rarely a wrong answer. There is no answer. It's it's just whatever you want it to be. It just kind of inspires. Mm-hmm. It gets people thinking, and um, it's not from, you're not just reading a textbook. Yeah, yeah, those open-ended questions or open-ended projects and challenges are really good for all types of learners. Mm -hmm. So as we come to a close, I'm wondering if there are any upcoming workshops or classes that you are teaching that our listeners who are thinking, oh my gosh, I want to take a 
class with Ashley. Yeah. Um, where can we take those classes? Well, I have an Eventbrite page. It's just ashleycaps.eventbrite.com. And I list all of my classes in the community there. I have some classes coming up at Half Moon Market in Black Mountain, usually on Sundays, but I might have some during the week. There's also, I've been using the All Souls Pizza restaurant on Mondays. Uh, Brendan Rusing has been very uh, helpful by letting and supportive of letting me use his space um, when they're closed. And really, there's a lot of places in town. I'm just kind of having fun and finding spaces where I can, a group can gather, could be 10 or 12 people, and everybody gets to eat and drink and take something home and have some recipes and have a hands-on learning experience. I try and keep the classes under two hours, so it's not a huge investment. And I definitely am excited about doing some kids' classes soon. I think that teaching children is something that I, I want to strengthen that muscle because I'm used to teaching older folks, like adults, and I'd like to... Uh, teach to the kids. Um, it's a different style of teaching, too, I'm figuring out. Um, I just recently did some volunteer teaching at Asheville Middle School, and I learned that middle schoolers are very different than college kids. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> yeah, so it's, a, it's fun. It's challenging for me to figure out how to format a class to meet the needs of an 8-year-old or a 10-year-old or even a 6-year-old. So, yeah. Well, it is a rare treat to be able to say to our listeners, if you want to see this in action, you have an opportunity yeah. to do that. So I plan on taking one of your classes sometime soon, yeah. for sure. Please do. Um, and I encourage us all to do that, to come and see how it's done. And thank you again so much for joining us in the studio today. It was a pleasure to talk with you about education. Thanks, Meg. You're the best. <laughs> Uh, join us next week for another best practice in education. This has been Best Practices in Education, an Odyssey School podcast. It was recorded here in our music studio in Asheville, North Carolina at Odyssey School, engineered by our music director, River Gargarian, and the original theme music was created by the Misfits of Cragberry, an Odyssey student band. Let's fly away in a cloud.